Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. On your radio and in the game, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I think we have hit the point in the calendar. Could be mistaken here. It's possible that we're mistaken and that there's a backslide somewhere, but I think we hit the point in the calendar today where it is warm and it is going to stay warm until, I don't know, like Halloween. I've kind of been watching, so it's been cool for the last few days. And I think today, at least in North Mississippi, Borky, probably warmer where you are in the central part of the state. Certainly we know it's warmer on the coast. But today the high was like 78. But looking at the uh, the longer-range forecast, it's 80 or above almost every day. There might be a couple of 78s mixed in, and we're then, then we're like upper 80s and then into the 90s, and then forget about it. So I hope you've enjoyed the cool. Hey, Dad, sorry to disappoint you. Your high of 70, low of 48 is about to go away. Well, you know, 40-plus years of living in this state have, uh, have, have gotten me used to it at this point. <laughs> it's almost like you knew it was coming. Almost! I, I enjoyed it while I had it. Borky, what's up? Happy Wednesday. Yeah, happy Wednesday, man. And um, we had, what, two days of high 30s down here this weekend? But other no. than that, something like that. No, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I, I'm saying I know. I mean, you know, 38, 39, 40, 41. That's cold. Yeah, and it didn't make any sense. And it also, because I've taken up a hobby since quarantine started, and that's like this herb garden, but I've also got tomatoes and stuff. It's been wrecking my herb garden. It's killing me. Herbs. <laughs> well, you know, not those kind. Well, ones that you yeah. cook with. Yeah. So what all of you? What all are you growing? Like some thyme and some man. We've got everything I could think of, even sage, which I don't know what to do with that, but we've got it just in case. Um, we've got cilantro, um, mm. dill, basil, thyme, sage, rosemary, um, lavender. What are you going to do with all that stuff? I don't know. Other than just kind of smells was, good when you walk outside. It, it smells good, and we can cook with some of those. I think. And I was just bored, so we would go to Lowe's, and I just, here, let's add another one. Yeah. Got tomatoes, too, and uh, banana peppers and jalapenos. I mean, it's it's something. So this is not like a small, like, little windowsill garden. Oh, no. It's, um, I would guess, probably 12 feet by 4 feet or so, a little bit bigger, maybe. So did you build a big frame for it? Not yet. So there was... On our back porch, there's like this this random bed that you couldn't plant anything because if you would dig about four inches down, uh, there's like some kind of layer of brick that's underneath it. I'm telling you, my, the previous owners of my house were ridiculous. But it was just a layer of mulch and just dirt and crap. So you couldn't plant anything on it. So I, I, I cleared that off and laid down like a nice red mulch and then just put these in pots on top of it. My plan is to build something there. But for now, it's just like a bed with a a little lawn fence around it uh, right next to the porch and all of these herbs and stuff. 
next to it. There you go. I've been bored, hey, Dad, if you, you can't uh, tell. Hey, Dad, are you much of a gardener? <laughs> no. no, I am I'm not. sorry. I just wanted to make myself laugh by asking that question out loud. No, I, I, I'm not much for that. I'll Rippy, take some of those you? herbs, you though. They'll, they'll go good in lasagna. Yeah. Rippy, you got any experience growing anything in your backyard or in a closet in the house? I'm cracking myself up. <laughs> he he went silent on us. Well, I cut out there for a second. Was that directed at me? Yeah, yeah. I just asked if you had any experience growing anything in the backyard or maybe in a closet inside your house or anything like that. <laughs> uh, yes, I have. I had to keep a flower alive in like fourth grade. Mm-hmm. I hear you. Is that what they well call done. it now? Yeah. Well, well done. When did the, like what 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 inside joke did I miss to where we're just accusing me of growing pot now? Oh, no inside joke. I just I randomly asked a question if uh, if Hey Dad was into gardening, and then I just started laughing as soon as I asked it, not even waiting on his answer because I knew what the answer was going to be, and I just thought I'd you know play the stereotype game with you as well. Oh, this is even better, hey, Dad. And so, or, uh, Borky, I think his line's cutting out. And so he's just freezing and doesn't even get to respond to this. <sighs> what happened? Your mom, your mom is going to be far angrier than when we wagered you eating Pringles on the air. What, uh, what was, what, what, where did this devolve into? Uh, I cut out there again. No, yeah, nothing. Just, just carrying on the stereotype. It's all good. I, really, because be right. I'm going to say if you put me in a lineup and like which one of these guys grows pot, I'm going to say I'm not the first person they check out, but maybe I'm just misidentifying myself. Who would be the oh, first person they oh, check out? Depends say, on who if, else if, was in the lineup. I'd probably go with... I would you meant of the four of us. I'm like, dude, you are definitely going to be the first one I pick. <laughs> uh, I would go. I would say Hey Dad first. <laughs> I'm naturally lazy and I like to eat. I don't need a, a stimulant to do it. Jeez. Oh, Put it geez. on the poll, Borky. <laughs> if Cross, Borky, Haydad, and Rippy were in a line, which of the four and you and you all you could do was see them, you knew absolutely nothing about them, which of the four would you assume grew marijuana? I'm just gonna find a picture of all four of us and say which one is most likely to grow pot. Okay, so yeah. Haydad, I, I may have misidentified Haydad a little bit. Like if you're like Trying to access the dark web, and we're all lined up. Like, who's got the inside encrypted uh, codes? I'm going, hey, Dad. <laughs> hey, Dad, this is the point where only you can make jokes about yourself. I can't make any of the jokes I that mean, naturally kind of write themselves. You have to do that yourself. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm not Kaiser Sose over here. I don't know what kind of version of the usual suspects we've got running. But uh, yeah, I, don't, I don't know how that's going to work. I try to stay off the dark web. Yeah. Have you ever been on it, any of you? Been on it, any of you? No. 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 And and nor, nor do I have... I'm like, if you said... If you said to me, Richard, I need you to figure out how to out access the dark web and you cannot Google instructions or how do I you have to jump the off the top of a building. Or, or, or you have to jump off the top of the building. I would be surveying the land below to try and figure out if I was going to bounce, if there was a chance I was going to, you know, not have my life come to an end after jumping off the top of a building. 
That, I mean, that, that, I have no idea. I cut out again, but did Haydad say he could or could not get us on Silk Road? <laughs> um, I have a buddy in college who's a, a big uh, IT tech guy, and um, I guess you could say he has the capabilities of being a hacker, but uh, if there's any police listening, uh, definitely not a hacker of any kind. Um, he told me that if you are just a regular person, like if we got on our computer and accessed the dark web within seconds, uh, people on there would have t would take all of our information and have it like readily available within seconds of being on the dark web. You have to have all kinds of protective software and stuff like that to do it uh, relatively safely. Argo in Blue Springs says the government will send a virus straight to your phone as soon as you figure out how to get on the dark web. Just try it. I'll take his well, word for it. Well, I'm not going to try it. I'll take your word for it, Argo. I knew like people in college that claimed to have accessed it, and it just was clearly a lie. Yeah. We're glad to have you along. I don't know what has happened for the first Are 11 we? minutes of the show this afternoon. Dude, we're like um, 65 days into quarantine. This is about as good as we could hope for right now. Yeah, I guess uh, I guess you're right. Uh, some of you are already checking in on the C Spire text uh, line this afternoon, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. Strider sent us a video from Indianola. It appears to me that he is on a tractor, and I'm here for it. That's my, uh, my favorite thing. Linda says, uh, time for a compliment. You guys do a great job talking about sports when there are no sports to talk about. That is... Uh, our Blue Springs audience is strong today. Thanks for that, uh, Linda. Uh, We're huge in how, Blue Springs. Uh, yeah, yeah. Jason says, wait, I thought Borky was the spokesman of the group. <laughs> no, Here's man, another that's vote never for been Borky me. Is, say what? Uh, that's never been me. Like I didn't even really have like that stoner phase when I was a junior in high school or anything like most people had. It just... It was never my thing. I've never had a cigarette in my life. Never had a dip before. It's just not my thing. Another vote for Borky is most likely to grow weed? <laughs> I've never vaped either. Uh, somebody suggests darkweb.com. <laughs> it's a good place to start. <laughs> Keith and Vaden suggest, uh, Borky, that you use sage and chicken and dressing. See? I love our listeners. I don't like sage and dressing. It's personal it's where preference. where it goes. Um, oh dark web equals prison time. No thanks. Hey, there we got another tractor picture. This is from uh, Russell. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll take a quick timeout and be back with you on this Wednesday. Make my way downtown. Uh, coming up a little bit later this afternoon on Sports Talk Mississippi on the Farm Bureau phone line, Will Gilroy from The Athletic in New Orleans. Sorry, Guillory? Is that right? Yep. Guillory. Will Guillory will join us from The Athletic. Uh, covers New Orleans things, including um, the Pelicans. And, does he cover the Pelicans and the Saints? Just the basketball exclusively. All right, so he does basketball side, and then Jeff Duncan uh, handles the football side of things. And Will Salmon, who has relocated from Gainesville to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. He is now covering the Milwaukee Brewers. 
Uh, we'll talk with Will a little bit later this afternoon about what he's hearing on the Major League Baseball front in terms of uh, returning. Ceasefire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. At Ceasefire, they're not just saying they care, they're taking action to show it through COVID-19 and every day from free wireless data for educational websites to connecting businesses with the tools to work from home. Learn from C, uh, Learn more at ceasefire.com slash ceasefirecares. Uh, let's see here. I learned uh, Toyota... Just had a shift change, so you got a lot of folks getting off of work at Toyota in Blue Springs, and all Toyota listeners from Blue Springs are tuning in to Sports Talk Mississippi, and that's why we get all of the texts from Blue Springs. So that makes sense. Makes perfect sense. Thanks for uh, I drive a Toyota, so you know we're all working together here. Uh, Jeff is in Hattiesburg and said he was planning to go eat tacos at Fuzzy's on Saturday, but he thinks 88 degrees is a little warm to eat outside on the patio. Agree or disagree? At this point, I would take 108 if it meant I got to go somewhere else to eat. I love my home, but I would like to do something else for once. 88 degrees. Just now uh, unraveling the 50% capacity stuff. Hmm. Yes, a thumbs up, thumbs down on 88 degrees to sit out on the patio and eat tacos. Way too hot. Hmm. Rippy? Uh, thumbs up, I guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, let's see here. Huey and Raymond sends us an unbelievable picture of Perch and uh, Brim. Whew. He had a nice fishing trip and got a pretty good fish fry coming up, I would uh, I would guess. That is, uh, that is fantastic. We get more tractor pictures. Got to love this. Oh, this is a, a logger of some sort. Looks like uh, they are cutting pine trees. Pulpwood, I guess, is what we're doing there. Um, there we go. And Pamela had a question. She said, you guys make me laugh. What is the dark web? Just Google it. You'll figure it out. <laughs> no, don't do that. You might well, click mean, on the wrong on link. Hold on a second. If I, if I just opened a search window and typed in, what is the dark web, you're telling me that Big Brother's watching and I can get in trouble for that? No, I do you to access the dark web or not using Google. Yeah, you probably there's probably a Wikipedia page for it, heck. But now I'm like scared to do that. There is a Wikipedia page. So let's see what they say. The dark web is the worldwide is worldwide web content that exists on dark nets or overlay networks that use the internet but require specific software configurations or authorization to access. It is a small part of the deep web, but a also a part of the web. Anyway, it is uh, used for um, person-to-person nefarious like individual, activities. nefarious activities, and people can connect with each other and make deals and stuff that can't be tracked because of these special servers uh, that are required uh, to access it. So people can illegally trade weapons and stuff like that on the dark web without getting caught doing it because it's untraceable. But the problem is if you access it and you don't have the right protections they can steal everything you have. There you go. 
So uh, now you know. Another tractor picture. This one actually is a, uh, a skid steer. So uh, somebody working on a bobcat this afternoon. Maybe uh, clearing some trails, looks like. Looks like I got the uh, brush cutter on the front. I'm, uh, I'm digging it. Um, Argo says that internet, the entire internet, is Big Brother. All right, uh, legitimate sports question from Mike. He says, guys, how about clarifying something for me? I stepped out of the room yesterday, came back in, and thought I heard y'all talking about Ole Miss and Baylor playing on Sunday. Did I hear wrong, or did the game get moved? Um, You did not hear wrong. There has been no official announcement of such, but I have uh, multiple sources who have told me that that game will be played on Sunday. Uh, We had some small amount of debate as to whether or not that meant Sunday afternoon or Sunday night. My understanding is that it will be the Sunday evening game. I'll split the difference, Rippy, and go Sunday evening to uh, give myself about a four-hour window there. Yeah, why not just say, like, dusk or something? Yeah, yeah, maybe. (laughs) When the sun begins to set in the western sky, you will have football uh, that is being played indoors in Houston involving Ole Miss and Baylor. I got that reference. Thank you. I didn't, but you won't be able to see the sunset in there. Nice stadium, though. Which is why I said that football would be playing, being played indoors in Houston. Got it. Nothing gets by you. Yep. There you go. Uh, yes, Mike, same weekend. Uh, so we're talking about September 6th instead of September 5th, I believe, is the plan. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, if that, that's, of course, Rippy, if we have a college football season. That's a good point. Hadn't Huge heard that before changes my thinking. Uh, Howland Starkville says, "Do all these tractor pictures have a tractor story attached to them?" No, that's the beauty of it. Um, I have for years now. I think Borky will attest to this. Said, "You've heard me say I love being outdoors, and we've had our fair share of fun at Rippy and Haydad and Borky's expense over them either not." driving tractors or lawnmowers or whatnot or not being able to drive a stick shift or whatever. And so through the years, we got a lot of people in the Delta, a lot of people in central Mississippi and northeast Mississippi, just all over the place, who, while on a tractor, listen to the show in the afternoon. And so from time to time, I'll say like, hey, if you're listening on a tractor this afternoon, if you're out working, just send us a picture. And so people send us pictures on the uh, text line. That's all the story there is to it. Um Anyway, so glad to have you. And now I screwed something up because I missed a Seinfeld reference. I didn't catch it either. There was a Seinfeld reference. Uh, Hal and Starkville says the tractor story is a Seinfeld reference, Richard. LOL. Oh, hey, Dad's a big Seinfeld guy, and he's trying to track it down in his mind, and I'm, he's not. I'm going to have to. Not I'm going to have to Google that one. I don't. I don't. Okay. And Dustin sends us a picture of an alligator. I don't know if he's on a tractor or not, but he is closer to that alligator than I would prefer to be if I were him. The National Basketball Association's most prominent players presented a unified front on the desire to return to play, and that apparently caused some momentum in the league office. There is not a concrete plan in place, but perhaps an acceleration? Is this real, Borky? I'm, my patience, it's not patience. It's starting to feel like 
every time there's breaking news from the basketball side, it's not really news when you when you think about it. I think it's great that LeBron James and all these prominent names in the NBA have gotten together and told the league office, we want to play, figure out how we can play, and then the league the next day, you know, leaks to Woj and Shams about how, you know, they're going to come up with a plan in two to four weeks and, and they want to move forward. They just have to get testing, but it's still nothing concrete. The, the story is the same story. It's the same story. At least baseball. Remember when they got just ripped apart for that initial plan that came out that they were talking about sending the teams back to the spring training locations? At least that was an idea. At least that was something that they were putting on paper and saying, hey, we can do this. And it got shot down and people ripped on it, but at least they were trying. Hockey has been trying. They they talked about going to Fargo, North Dakota to play the rest of their games, and they're still working on it. But every so often you see hockey's considering... In the Fargo Dome? They, they considered that. It's not happening anymore. But yeah, there was, I think, then the Fargo Dome and, and two other facilities there where they could have adequately finished their season, and there was like two cases of coronavirus in the whole region. So they felt safe enough to do it, change their mind for whatever reason. Major League Soccer is going to do the bubble thing in Orlando. You've got all these leagues with concrete ideas. Even if they don't work and they don't execute them, here's basketball yet again with another story about nothing. NBA is the most time-pressed and they're running out of time. I thought we'd been saying that the NBA had no time pressure. Well, you, the further you go back, you're, you're chancing competing with football, which doesn't sound like something they want to do. But if you don't start by July 1st, you're definitely going into football. Or, or they eliminate the rest of the regular season. Like the, the longer they wait, the fewer games they'll be able to play. Pick, off the, uh, pick up the rest of this story when we come back in just a couple of minutes. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm with you on this Wednesday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday afternoon, middle of the week. So this story from ESPN.com, and you know, you, you heard Borky and Rippy say a second ago that there's really not a lot that's new here. Uh, kind of picking up on the conversation where we were just a second ago, it feels to me like Major League Baseball, the NFL, the NHL, other sports leagues that are out there, some of which, uh, certainly the PGA Tour and NASCAR, have put into motion the idea that we want to play or we want to race and we want to be on our field, on our court, on our track, on our course. And they're doing everything in their power to make it happen. It feels to me like the NBA largely is playing politics, and I, I don't mean that in a reference other than they're just kind of talking about stuff. Like, they'll throw some ideas out to get a little bit of a PR bump, but that seems to be about as far as they're willing to go. So here, here's what happened yesterday. There's a Board of Governors call with NBA Commissioner Adam Silver, and... Participants left the virtual meeting feeling increasingly positive about the league's momentum toward a resumption of play this season. I mean, listen to that sentence. They felt positive 
about momentum toward a resumption of play after their virtual meeting. Owners and executives on the call were encouraged about the league's process toward minimizing health risk upon a return and the league office's positive conversations with the NBA Players Association about the players' desire to eventually restart the season. They talked about health and safety concerns. Silver told those on the call that if a positive test would shut us down, we probably shouldn't go down this path. I agree with that, right? I mean, we've all talked about this in a lot of different arenas. If your return includes the idea that a single positive test means you got to shut it down again, don't waste your time because you're going to have positive tests, plural, not singular, there will be positive tests. It's going to happen. We've known this for months. Uh, Adam Silver, when asked about the bubble isolation plan, described it as a campus environment. Has talked about one or two locations, including Walt Disney World in Orlando and Las Vegas as well. The NBA is also studying how other leagues are handling positive tests. It, it just doesn't feel to me like there's any... Uh, sense of importance is not the right word. Like, like there's not. Uh, we got to get it done right now. No sense of urgency, and maybe there is urgency. behind the scenes. Thank you. That's but... the word I was looking for. Urgency. There's no sense of urgency with the NBA. Is it urgency, or is it just them not like? I think the messaging is I mean, poor. They, well, they may be like wanting to get back urgently, but they just have been unable to make any progress. I mean, they just keep saying, "Yeah." Disney, maybe Vegas, and then like the same. I mean, you could replace the headline on ESPN last night with any headline for the last month. Owners leave call with Adam Silver optimistic about blank. Sweet. Where's the proposal? Yeah. Do you think more is happening behind the scenes than is being made public, or is this kind of it? Well, if you had to have seven or eight players that are considered the face of the NBA basically just get on a call and be like, hey, actually, we don't want to cancel the season, I'm going to say there's not a whole lot more behind the scenes, but maybe not. That, and then the text message that was sent to the players. Do you want to resume play, yes or no? Like, what? You're doing this now. It's, it was May 12th when they sent it. You're, You're doing this now? I mean, 60 days after Gobert tested positive and you had to shut down the league? 60 days later, you're check yes or no on the note you slid to your little girlfriend when you were in fourth grade? I mean, come on! It's really surprising to me with, with the NBA. You're talking about the sport with the smallest rosters. You know, so you have the the smallest amount of, of people who are going to be on the court at the same time that... that it's taking this long where it, feel, it feels like baseball is a lot closer to starting, and it feels like even football could find a way to start in a month or two if they really, really had to. But ba- basketball, which only has you know a few weeks left to wrap up and get into the playoffs and finish the, th- the deal for good, seems like they're the furthest away. And maybe it's a comfortability. So, of course, they don't want to compete with football, and I'm sure uh, Mr. Silver had a very frustrating day when he found out the NFL was going to play a game on Christmas Day. But maybe they don't have a sense of urgency because they don't need one. They're com- entirely comfortable with a delayed start to next season. And 
look, if if we can't finish the regular season, then so what? Uh, I mean, the East was was done. Uh, the eight teams that were making the playoffs in the East, no matter what happened really in the last 15 games of the year, those eight teams were making the playoffs. You had two teams outside of the, the top eight in the West that were battling for that final spot. But, I mean, the closest was three games back. So if you have to sacrifice the regular season, so what? The playoffs are going to be there. Maybe they don't have a sense of urgency because there's not that many games left and they, they don't want to rush to it because they're already prepared for a delayed start to next year. That might be it. I guess, but the postseason is what? Two and a half, almost three months long, and you still have games left to get to the 70-game mark to make sure the television contracts kick in. So, I mean, if, they, if they're working hard behind emergency. the scenes, and if they have like concrete plans that they're working on, their messaging is atrocious. Because, bas- again, baseball got ripped for, for their initial plan, but the reaction should have been, man, at least they're trying. I mean, it's creative, it's unique, good for them. They're working on something. If the NBA leaked an idea of something they're working on, people would at least appreciate that you're trying. But this, last night, that's just more lip service. There is a university in the state of Mississippi that is doing more than just giving lip service. That is Mississippi State. And, I, you know, we've kind of been waiting on announcements, you know, specific announcements about what the fall is going to look like. News release from Mississippi State earlier today, President Mark Keenum said the university is fully committed to welcoming students back to campus this fall and that plans to resume in-person classroom and lab instruction in the fall of 2020 are on schedule and taking solid form as the university continues development of specific new operating guidelines. On April 28th, Mark Keenum announced MSU's institutional intention quote-unquote, for Mississippi State to resume more traditional operations in the fall, this is a much more specific announcement. There's a task force in place that is producing guidelines to assist Mississippi State across all campuses in transitioning back to uh, more traditional campus activities. Those include revising the academic calendar, focusing on spread reduction techniques, including social and physical distancing, increased cleaning and whatnot, repopulating MSU through a robust screening strategy bolstered by testing where needed and uh, contact tracing, exploring the appropriate mixture of hybrid, online, and face-to-face instruction, classroom, and other facility usage, Considering innovative and alternative best practices in campus life, business functions, athletics, etc. So, what Mississippi State did here is not. They didn't say, come hell or high water, we will be on campus, in person, and class will look just like it did last year. That did not happen today. But Mississippi State did very publicly and specifically lay out its plans for how they were going to try and get back to work and get back to whatever normal is going to look like in the fall. It's my understanding that while Ole Miss has not released anything publicly, their internal conversations have gone beyond just some task force talking about it, and they have uh, laid out to the Faculty Senate some options that are in place. 
that there are three different scenarios and they're kind of isolating or, or focusing in on the middle scenario, which if you, if you think of one being the most extreme and three being the most relaxed, the one in the middle is the one that they're kind of focusing in on. And it's comparable stuff to what Mississippi State is talking about. And it wouldn't surprise me if leaders from the two schools have you know, had some conversations back and forth about, okay, what's this looking like kind of from a planning standpoint? What are you doing? I, I don't know that to be a fact, but it wouldn't surprise me. But it's kind of the same stuff with, with Ole Miss that uh, we're talking about with Mississippi State, where uh, you know they, they understand the need to have some testing procedures in place, that it's likely going to be a hybrid of online and in-person. Class sizes are going to have to be smaller than they were you know, in previous years. I'm almost weary of saying, well, here's a positive development, here's a positive development. I do I do think, though, it's important for people to understand that they're not just kind of talking about stuff. Like, there is legitimate, detailed planning that is happening at the universities in Mississippi to get back at the end of August, beginning of September, and start a new school year. And that is good for everyone. Sports Talk Mississippi. Take a quick time out and be back with you. Gorky, what's the genesis of the poll question today? You said, uh, should MLB give Armando Galarraga a perfect game? Yeah, I've got it buried way deep in the notes. A story about the, that Tigers pitcher we talked about the other day uh, who got a perfect game completely robbed from him on the final out of the game. It was very clearly an out by a few feet. And for whatever reason, the umpire just called. He blew it. He blew it. Completely blew the call. Uh, That pitcher, uh, in a recent interview, uh, said that he wishes Major League Baseball would give him the perfect game. They use replay now, and uh, the umpire also quoted in this story that had his interview, said that Major League Baseball should give it to him, and he's asking the league to do it. Now, it's probably unlikely, but... You're using replay now. It was the final out of the game. Should they retroactively award him a perfect game? That seems like would open the biggest can of worms ever. I mean, if you're going to do that, then aren't you aren't Cardinal fans going to say, "Well, we need to go back and replay Game Seven against the Royals in '85"? I mean, that decided a World Championship. I, I mean, I like the sentiment here, but no way this could happen. But this is just an individual. Achievement, like it didn't change the outcome of a game. Yeah, they and uh, what was it? The next batter was out, right? And that I, ended I, the I game? get that, but if you if you go back and change the result of of anything of one out, if you're changing the result of a play from a game, I mean, you you open up a, the opportunity to do that for all outs. They retroactively I, I, change errors. Errors and outs are a little different. Don't, I mean, yeah, I think you would agree with that. Yeah, but I mean, like, like you've had hit totals in careers retroactively changed. Like, I mean, that's an individual like stat is what as much as a perfect game is. I, I don't I get mind that. It. I don't mind the the sentiment, but I think it's it, it opens up a a potential uh, can of worms. All right. Well, I would like for us to go back and uh, replay the nineteen ninety one World Series. It is clear that Kent Herbeck picked up Jeff Treadway's leg when he was trying to go back into first base and made it easier for him to ta- be tagged out. 
Yeah. Minnesota won that game 3-2. to two. Uh, Potentially the difference in uh, the Braves having uh, two World Series in that time frame and one, and probably would change the way the Atlanta Braves uh, are looked at as a franchise during that entire window. So uh, I want the Braves to get that out back, and then we'll go back, we'll put all the players back on the field, Kirby Puckett, Kent Herbeck, everybody else, and uh, and we'll replay that because it was good, clearly good a luck call getting Kirby Bucket back on, on the field. field. Just, y- just so yes, you know. I thank you. I'm aware. That's good. That's going to be tough. I, I am aware. Thank you. I I realize. What? Put a hologram out there. Uh. So there you go. So so you agree with me is what you're saying? Yes. You no way the, you can go back and give the guy a perfect game. You can't do. I'm it, sorry. No. It was Ron Gant. It was not. Treadway. Treadway was talking about it in this story. It was uh, Gant. So is are you against retroactively changing hits and errors? Because all you're doing here is retroactively changing a stat for a single person, not the outcome of any game. What is the difference? Retroactively changing hits and errors, doesn't it really only happen when it's inconsequential? This, this is, is, I mean, is inconsequential and, in, over the course of a game. This is 100% inconsequential. The next guy was out. Oh, I see the point you're making. And it's a relevant one. I, I think slippery slope, though, is the, the right... I mean, there was a judgment call. It was a blown call, clearly... And it cost a guy a perfect game. And that stinks for him. It's going to stink forever. How long ago was that when that happened? It was 2010, 10 years ago. Oh, that's been a long time. That's been 10 years. <laughs> Jeez. Rippy, when you talk about them going back and changing a hit or an error, that happens before the next game is played, usually within an hour of a game ending. Sure, but what is this hard? A decade later. I mean, they protest it, games before. I wonder it's if not, they actually... It's not that it harms anything. It's that it just it allows the opportunity f- for other people to come back and say, okay, well, if you can go back and change that, why can't we go back and change this? And, and Then say no because it changes the outcome of a game. Yeah, if it's just statistics... But then w- what's the difference, though? You, 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 we blew a call here and this happened. Okay, well, you blew a call here and something far more important happened. But the score want to get call hit right? error. It doesn't change anything. Like they already do a version of this. So we only want to change things that don't matter. That doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. It doesn't mean it doesn't R- matter. R- you but you honestly already do believe. This. You honestly believe that we should go back and retroactively award an out, erase the fact that another guy hit and was recorded out. So again, what's the difference between that and hit an error? Another what is the play difference? happened. Yeah. What? You're awarding an out that was not recorded an out, and you're taking away an actual at-bat that happened. There was more baseball that happened there. Yeah, but one batter. You're, I mean, you record, you're awarding a hit that originally wasn't a hit. I get that. So what is the but difference? But you're now changing the outcome of the game. No, it's not. They still won. Sports Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming 
at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey, thanks for being with us. The C Spire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. That's the number experiencing fever, uh, fever, cough, sore throat, or shortness of breath. C Spire and UMMC are partnering to offer free COVID-19 screening through the C Spire Health app for all Mississippians experiencing symptoms. Learn more at cspirehealth.com. Uh, so let's go back to what we were talking about a second ago because we ran out of time and what I said didn't make sense as we're going to break. We were talking about whether or not we should retroactively award a perfect game from a decade ago to Armando Galarraga. He was uh, the major league pitcher who a blown call at first base on a ground ball in the infield, throw across the diamond, in time, should have been out number three in the inning, game over, perfect game. It did not happen. Another batter came to the plate, perfect game over, after the infield single, so not only not a perfect game, but not a no-hitter, and the next batter was recorded out, and so it was 28 up, 27 down. Just another one-hitter in the annals of baseball history. But it was clearly a blown call. And so the question is, should Major League Baseball go back and officially award Armando Galarraga a perfect game. And Rippy's argument is they change hits and errors on a semi-regular basis in Major League Baseball. It happens all the time in college baseball. And this would not do anything to change the outcome of the game. You'd just have to go back and modify the old box score, and then we could give Armando Galarraga his uh, blue ribbon for a perfect game. I just think it's harmless because what y'all are talking about changing the outcomes of games, there's already an avenue for that. You can protest games. You never win. Like, even though it's outlined fairly simply, particularly in the MLB, the game shall not be replayed unless it is determined the violation adversely affected the protesting team's chances of winning, which, like, I mean, that leaves them a ton of wiggle room, I guess, because they never win them. But, like, what y'all are talking about, there's already an avenue for. Play the game under protest. You're going to lose the protest, but or you may even win it. They just may not replay the game. But teams already do and that hey, all the time. And, hey, Dad, your argument for not going back and doing this is? Well, it just seems like it would open up a Pandora's box of teams wanting to go back, you know, 10, 20 years later. Oh, well, this call was blown. Can we get that changed? You know, I, I just I just don't agree with it at this time. I don't think it, I think it's 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 going to open up. I, I would be if I was a Cardinals fan, I would immediately be protesting and going to MLB about the '85 World Series. It would be the first thing I would do. I would bet they already filed a protest and lost after the game. Well, that's fine, but I mean, the guy is even admitted it's sort of the same situation. Dinkinger admitted after the game, I blew the call. And so did I mean in a roundabout way that they acknowledged 
in the NFC Championship game in, in 2018 right. that it was a blown call. But I'm with Rippy on this one, though. If it's just a cosmetic change, and that's all this would be. It happened in the NBA to, to my team twice this year. Lonzo Ball was, I mean, a couple of days later, retroactively awarded a triple-double twice. Uh, they went back and, and watched the film and realized he had uh, one additional rebound in both games, and they gave him a triple-double for it. None of that, that stat did not impact the game. The Tigers that day... Uh, won three to nothing, and it was the next batter after the blown call was out and the game was over. So if it's just a cosmetic change, because there is a precedent for it, although not to this degree, but there still is one, they retroactively change box scores uh, for statistical purposes all the time. So if that's all it is and that's where you draw your line, if you're Major League Baseball, you put your line in the sand, we will review tape and change stats and stats only, then I'm okay with it. Now, But you're not changing a stat here. You're changing an out. That didn't change the outcome of the game. It, is it doesn't matter. It's still an out. It's but, not a stat. It's an out. You're retroactively changing a subjective decision that was made during the course of a game. You're not changing a hit or an error. You're going back and changing... Something that had zero impact change, on the outcome of the changing game. The resu- you're changing the result of a play. Not not a stat, a result of the play. Can I go back and cha- go find a field goal that I think may have not been good? Look at it again. Nope, actually it wasn't good. Can I change that? No. If it didn't impact the outcome of the game, I mean, whatever. Well, then, it, it, if no, a guy has... You can't change plays like that. No, I, I'm not going to go for that. So do we, do we go back and also take away the at-bat? the 0-for-1 or that particular at-bat from the guy that followed the guy who should have been called out, and he gets, you know, one one-thousandth of a percentage point on his career batting average? Sure, because sure. who does, who does that who impact? I'm not, I, I don't care about the, 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 the batting. I, I care about the idea that you can just retroactively go back after the game is played and change the results of the play. That doesn't work for me because that opens we're, up. We're also they're, they're, instituting replay in a time. Uh, yeah, what we're doing by doing this is instituting replay in a time when replay did not exist. And to go back to sort of Rippy's point about playing the game under protest, it's you're sort of right. It's a sham. You know, you play games under protest and you, and you never win them, even when you're clearly right about it. You know, it's sort of this is sort of the beef I always have with officiating is that you know they they never admit their mistakes. I mean, look at the Saints. That game, you were, I'm pretty sure the Saints did protest that game. Nobody's going to look at that call and say they didn't blow it. But did anything happen? No. So we can't go back in time and say, okay, wait, the Saints were right. It was pass interference. Put them back on the field or something like that. Or we'll just assume that they would have won. They would have kicked the field goal and won the game in regulation. Game's over. At that point, if the game is over, if you want to play the whole idea of, Okay, the game's over, but you can protest it. Well, you lost the protest. Well, once the game is over, the game is just over. There's nothing you can do about it. I feel bad. I, the guy deserves a perfect game. The guy, the umpire blew the call. But I, I can't I can't go down that road. I'm going to bet if they change this thing to a perfect game, a grand total of zero people are going to try to change the outcome of any previous game, 85, 95, 2005, whatever. I'm going to bet it does not come up. Mike in Oxford on the C Spire text line says, Old Miss went back at the end of the season and, quote, found, close quote, a few yards to give to Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis so that he would have 1,000 yards rushing for the season. 
That happens all the time. And I, I gave you two examples of, of this current, air quotes, basketball season. Guy was one rebound short of a triple-double. They went and found one. I think one of them was kind of questionable. It was like two guys grabbed the ball at the same time, but they gave it to the guy to give him a triple-double because you know who really cares? It didn't impact the game, but he was one rebound away, and he came down with the ball, so we'll, we'll give him that rebound. There's a triple-double. That happens. I've got to read this story. I, I was hoping that I could do it quickly while you were talking, but uh, certainly don't have time for that. But uh, my good friend Tim sent me uh, an article from the Society for American Baseball Research, and the title is 100 Years Later, Looking Back at Ernie Shore's Perfect Game. So we'll look and see if there's any precedent here. I'll, uh, I'll read through that uh, in, the next, uh, in the next break. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Uh, Will Guillory will join us a little bit later. Sorry, phone just went nuts. Yes, yes it did. One last thing to we'll, consider on this, by the way, though, is we're talking about Major League Baseball, right? They're not going to change this. I don't think they are either. I don't. I think the guy doesn't need it. I just think they should do it if he really wants it, because who cares? But his brand is honestly probably bigger from being the guy that got jobbed out of a no hitter, considering he did nothing else in professional baseball largely, than just another random guy who threw a no hitter. Right. All right How so many people are going to remember the story? The, oh, go the, ahead. the gist of the story from this. Uh, this is what I was telling you about a second ago. It was originally considered a perfect game since Shore retired 27 consecutive batters after entering the game, including the one base runner that he inherited. The game was later changed to a combined no-hitter following a reevaluation by Major League Baseball in 1991 when Faye Vincent was commissioner. Given the question that persisted from the start of how Shore could have pitched a perfect game when he did not pitch a complete game, he said, I don't know what they meant when they said I didn't pitch a complete game. But how complete is complete? You have to get 27 men out, and I got out 26, and the other was retired when I was pitching. No other pitcher retired a single batter. You want to guess who that other pitcher was, by the way? The Great Bambino. Babe Ruth. The Colossus of Crush. The Sultan of Swat. The Great Bambino. Babe Ruth! He was the starting pitcher in the game... And was ejected with a man on first base. Scott should just sue Jim Joyce and his mustache. Case closed. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi on this Wednesday afternoon, middle of the week. Thanks for being with us. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Haydad, uh, some basketball news on the women's side yesterday came out for uh, Mississippi State. Yeah. Uh, barring an upset, it looks like MSU will go head-to-head with UConn. 
uh, in a tournament. I don't have. I think it's the Women's College Basketball Hall of Fame Classic. I don't have the official name of the uh, event right here in front of me. Uh, it's being held in Mohegan. You were close. Okay. Hey, I, I do my work. Uh, they'll play Maine in the first round of this uh, this this tournament. UConn will play Quinnipiac. And then uh, should everything hold the way you would expect it to, although God Almighty, I'll never predict MSU just to beat Maine out of the blue. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you, you would expect, though, to see an MSU-UConn uh, matchup. First time, obviously, since uh, Morgan William hit the shot that, that snapped UConn's 111-game winning streak. So, you know, State, women's college basketball does a really good job of getting its elite teams together, uh, and this would you know, be State's first chance, first shot at UConn in the regular season ever. Uncasville, Connecticut. Home court advantage for the uh, Huskies, by the way. No doubt. No uh, doubt. Will be played at the uh, Mohegan Sun, big uh, casino that uh, is. A, how far is that from New York City? It's I don't not know. A terribly long way, is it? So it's being played at a casino, you say? Well, I'll uh, get my credentials in order and be there. Don't worry about that. Sports Talk Mississippi will cover this event. Just got to get that approved. Uh,. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, it's probably the week of the okay, Egg Bowl so, or something. Yeah, 110 miles from uh, Manhattan to the Mohegan Sun. So, I don't know. Long weekend in uh, New York City. I might be the one going to cover that game, friend. <laughs> you might not be covering it. You might just be uh, you know, calling it. In the same general geographic region. <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, yeah, so that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, you know... Congratulations on that new schedule. (laughs) One game down, 30-some-odd to go. Hmm. Yeah. Coach November 28th to the 29th. That's the week after Thanksgiving, right? No, No, that's, yeah, that's the weekend after Thanksgiving. So I could, I could do the Egg Bowl, hop on a plane, I could be there. No problem. Here's a question on that note. Right now on May 13th, does the Egg Bowl get played on Thanksgiving Day? Not does it get played at all, but does it get played on Thanksgiving Day this year? I think so. Mm, yes. What do you think, Borky? I'm still holding firm with my, I think the season gets pushed back to a couple of weeks. And so maybe they just move everything backwards or do the NFL thing where they put the games on the front on the end. For some reason, and I hope I'm wrong because I've, I've taken an optimistic approach on this, I think they might push the season back a few weeks to make sure everybody can start at the same time and that might screw up the Egg Bowl. At least day of, not that it gets played. That game's going to get played, but, you know. Seems like all these colleges plan to start on time, so unless something changes, I don't think they're going to delay football season unless there's a change in, like, when school starts. And I get there's a lot more dominoes to fall in that regard, but it seems to be trending that that's going to happen as normal. So I'll say, sure, but would it shock me if some places, like, started a little later and everyone had to push back a couple weeks, like Borky saying no? Would that be good for college football? If they have to move the season back, let's just say three weeks, would that be better? Would you want to keep it that way? I, I kind of feel like they start a little too early. That's just me, though. I mean, August college football seems early. 
And, of course, most everybody starts on September 5th, but you know what I mean. If they move the season back a few weeks, I would enjoy that more, I think. And I can't figure out why. I just like the NFL playing in December and January. I I like that time of year always being football and not the Little Caesars Pizza Poinsettia Insurance Company Bowl. You say that, though, but you're probably not going to like the bowl season like not coinciding when you're off work for the holidays. I'm not off work for the holidays, though. You get my general point. <laughs> I know what you mean. But I don't know. I don't think it would make a huge difference. I do like having football on the way the bowl thing's set up, as silly as I think it is, like having that football coincide with that. But either way, I'd be fine. Yeah. I mm, I could kind of go either way on this. I'm not trying to straddle the fence, but my thought is, you know, college, that's just how college football used to be. Games didn't, the, the season didn't begin until mid to late September, if you rewind a few decades. And then we added an 11th game, you know, there was a, nine or a ten game regular season then we added an 11th game and then we added a 12th game and just because of the calendar you you needed to do that and I'm sure you guys remember so what late 90s we had all of the kickoff classic games they played one at the Meadowlands you'd see you know Florida State playing Oklahoma in East Rutherford New Jersey on that awful AstroTurf but it was college football and it was great and then the regular season would start the next week. And then you got a few more of those games, and then they just went away. They, they kind of did away with the whole kickoff classic thing. And then what, about 10 years or so ago, we kind of went back to the season opening kickoff classics. Chick-fil-A got involved. You were bringing marquee teams into stadiums that were far better than what the old Meadowlands used to be for you know whichever game that was in terms of the kickoff classic. And it feels like we've cycled away from those a little bit. I mean, you've still got Alabama playing Southern Cal. I I think Alabama likes it because they're able to still play seven home games, fulfill the Power 5 box that they've got to check, or be able to check that box off, and get $5 million or $7 million or whatever the number is playing in it because they're so valuable and they're such a hot commodity. You know, other teams obviously have participated in that as well. You had Mississippi State play against Oklahoma State in Houston uh, a few years back. Ole Miss has done it a couple of times, right? They opened with Boise State on that Thursday night uh, in Atlanta as part of Chick-fil-A's deal once they went to two of those games. Uh, they played Florida State uh, down in uh, at Camping World Stadium. They played Texas Tech two years ago in uh, Houston, and they're going back to play Baylor in Houston this year. Um I I feel like, though, we've kind of gotten away from liking that, right? And I realize I kind of went on an offshoot, Borky, from your original question. But do you like the neutral site kind of sexy matchup games? Or are you over that and you say, I want the sexy matchups, I want them early in the season, but I want them as home-and-homes? Much prefer home-and-home. I prefer home-and-home, but I'll take what I can get. 
If it means they're getting played over Furman coming to town, then yeah, play them. Yes, but. It, that's that's exactly correct. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel would, like uh, there's room for two or three marquee of those because, like, I was at I worked out at Florida State, Ole Miss, and I'm sure Richard was there. But I thought that environment was awesome. But that definitely had more so to do with where the two programs were at at the time, probably more than anything. But like. At the same time, Ole Miss, Texas Tech, while a cool venue, I don't see the need to play that in a stadium that big. Yeah, I mean, the Ole Miss-Florida State thing was, you know, what, there was so much build-up and anticipation to the start of that year that, what, were there probably 20,000 Ole Miss fans at that game? I, I don't. I remember the stadium being mostly full, if not completely yeah, I don't know that the upper decks were completely full, but Orlando was banking on Florida State bringing forty to 50,000 people. And then because of the timing of it and the anticipation of it and the novelty of, oh, we're going to Disney World for a family vacation at the end of the summer, and then we'll catch Ole Miss football, there was a big Ole Miss crowd there. I mean, you know, maybe there were 20,000 Ole Miss fans and forty or 45,000 Florida State fans, and it was a great environment. And early on, it was a great start for Ole Miss. And then it wasn't. Hey, Dad, do you remember your roller coaster of emotions during that game? Just real quick, I'm in a big group text with a bunch of state fans, right? Most of them went to bed. And I and a couple other guys stayed up and watched the whole game. And I remember I had to wake up early the next day at like 5 a.m. And I get up and I see one of the guys is typing. He goes, wait a minute, they lost? And it, it was glorious. I, I was barefoot from the first quarter on because my blisters in the shoes that I wore were too bad. Oh! They call us the rednecks. <laughs> Jeez. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll go to the Farm Bureau phone line in a, uh, a few minutes when we come back, and uh, we'll chat with a first-time guest. Will Guillory from The Athletic covers the Pelicans down in New Orleans. If he's got any info on the NBA front. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey. Let's go to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Will Guillory from The Athletic covers the New Orleans Pelicans on your radio right now. Will, appreciate uh, a few minutes of your time. What are things like in New Orleans right now? Man, it's... um... Unfortunately, the way it is in a lot of cities, beautiful uh, weather. Unfortunately, not as many people outside. <laughs> a lot of people working out, you know, running on the lakefront, stuff like that. But not nearly as active as I'm used to seeing in the city. And unfortunately, you know, we were supposed to be also uh, nearing that time. We're getting ready for Saints football, and that's when I know uh, things will get real around here if, if people don't have that Saints football when they when they're ready for it. Yeah, there's uh, there's certainly that's kind of the heartbeat of the city. Does it feel like things are trending in the right direction? I know New Orleans certainly was one of the places that was talked uh, a lot uh, about with regard to outbreak and folks with COVID nineteen. Does it feel like it's moving in the right direction? Yeah, uh, you know when this first really started up, uh, you know it was this was one of the really hot places, and it was 
really bad. You know, I know a few people that lost people close to them. Fortunately, you know, thankfully, I didn't lose anybody close to that. Have a few people I know got sick, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was rough. But I think recently, especially the past few weeks, it seems like the numbers are really going down. The cases are going down. People in the hospital are going down. So that's good. You know, people are listening, and uh, you know, as long as we continue with the social distancing, staying home as much as possible, hopefully, we'll be able to knock this thing out. All right, Will. So help me out on something. I was actually having this conversation with a uh, with a friend last night. So you you mentioned the Saints just a second ago, unprompted. the The heartbeat of the city of New Orleans is the New Orleans Saints, and I would argue that maybe number two, at least traditionally on that list, has been LSU football. Obviously, there is an unbelievable amount of excitement that goes around the Pelicans because of Zion Williamson and feeling like the franchise is headed in the right direction. Can the Pelicans kind of capture that number two spot, probably a distant second behind the Saints, but maybe kind of overtaking LSU football in terms of interest in New Orleans? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, things are sort of trending in that direction. Obviously, it was tough because LSU winning the national championship. But, you know, next year is going to be different because Joe Burrow's gone. They had about, what, maybe 200 guys drafted. I lost count. <laughs> 326 is what I had. Yeah, every starter and every backup got drafted, basically. So, you know, that's going to be a completely different team next year. And I think we saw the energy shift in the city, specifically, for sure. I think with the the, the way Zion came out of the gates and really started going crazy and them, you know, really getting into the mix of that playoff run before, you know, the season obviously got suspended, I think. Man, the energy in that building was much different, obviously, than it was last season with all of that AD stuff going on. And I think people were really getting excited about the team, excited about seeing what Zion was doing and the way this young team was growing. And I think uh, there was so much optimism going into the season, and they got off to that really rough start. And I think people were starting to come back around with the way the team started to, to really hold it together and really started to go in the right direction right before the season stopped. Well, I know there's a lot to be said for just living in the moment, and I'm not trying to be negative on this at all, but what is different about the Pelicans that gives people hope that Zion can be great, and then he can sign a max deal, and he can stay, and he can be the face of this franchise the way, I mean, bad comparison, but I'll do it anyway, that Michael Jordan was the face of the Chicago Bulls for you know a decade and a half. And obviously I only mention that because the last dance is going on right now. Why is it going to be different than it was with Chris Paul or it was with Anthony Davis, who the second they had a chance to get out, boom, they're gone? Yeah, and it's kind of, it feels almost blasphemous to do this after whatever, all the stuff we've seen on the, uh, the Michael Jordan doc, but I think a big part of it is less to do with the players on the court and more about the, the front office and the people sitting up you know, there and the, the officers there on all airlines and, you know, the people like David Griffin and Trajan Langdon and Swing Cash who have come in and really changed the culture within that building. Because I think, you're right, I think a lot of the feeling in the city during the Anthony Davis era and during the Chris Paul era was, man, we have, you know, elite players at the top of the roster, but the, the management isn't going to do things the right way and they're not going to put the right roster around these guys and it's only a matter of time before they look to go elsewhere. And I think that was the feeling, certainly the last few years with AD. But I think now with the way the way that David Griffin has handled this organization, the way he's rebuilt this roster, I think that's a feeling that, man, they, they're doing things the right way. And they're not only building a team with these stars 
that can bring people out to the arena, but they're building with these nice role players and these nice young players to build around Zion Williamson. And you saw, even before he came back, that Brandon Ingram was playing at an all-star level. Lonzo Ball was playing some of the best basketball of his career, and there's a feeling that they're building this thing the right way, and it's not you know, a rush job or not trading all of these crazy first-round picks the way they did with Anthony Davis, I think. There's a real optimism what David Griffin's doing, and I think as long as he's around doing things the right way, you can accept maybe the downfalls of a young player like Zion Williamson or B.I. maybe taking a step back, but there's a feeling that the support system around them is going to be able to lift them up, and that's much different than when it was when AD was around here. Will Guillory from The Athletic covers the New Orleans Pelicans on your radio. He's visiting with us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Will, let's switch from New Orleans specifically to kind of the NBA with a little bit wider angle lens. What are you hearing? Uh, I mean, we, we get the story uh, that that's floating around about a, a good conference call with the Board of Governors, and you had some of the stars in the league come out and say, yeah, we want to play, but it feels like a lot of that is lip service are we going to finish the regular season? Do you believe there's going to be playoffs, et cetera? Yeah, I think the way that the players are conducting themselves and the, the, what I've heard just from the few guys I've talked to and some of the writers I've talked to, it seems like they're really ready to show a you know, united front on their desire to play. And I think guys want to come back and play. They want to at least put on a show for the fans. And obviously a lot of guys in the league want to come back for their shot of the ring. And I think that's why we've heard so much from guys like LeBron James and Jared Dudley because they can't wait to, to get the playoffs started, understandably. Uh, but personally, I just think it is going to be a really tough task for Adam Silver to get this thing right and make and, and do it in a way to make everybody feel safe. I think when you add in you know, so many players and you got so many of these elderly coaches and trainers and referees and stuff like that, I think it's going to be a lot to handle. Uh, personally, I, I think that the Pelicans want to get into it, and I know those guys uh, are, are looking forward to for an opportunity to get back into it and fight for their chance to get into the playoffs. But I just think it's going to be really difficult to bring 30 teams together in a bubble situation and, and keep it contained the way Adam Silver wants to. So really my prediction is that they're going to end up going straight into the playoffs and try to get it done in some type of shortened way. Uh, I think that's the direction they're headed in. It seems like everybody's committed to making that happen just because there's so much money on the line and they can, there's obviously a product people are ready to you know go out and <laughs> be excited about. And I think if they could produce it, that would be a big win for the NBA. But I just think getting all 30 teams in it, uh, it's going to be a lot to deal with. And the, the more you can shrink those numbers, I think the easier it'll be to deal with. But no matter what they do, I think, Man, I think this is going to be one of the toughest, you know, things any commissioners had to deal with, you know, in the history of sports. And I think Adam Silver is the type of guy you want to handle this, but still, it's, it's a lot for any one guy to deal with. Do you think Mickey Mouse will serve as the host? <laughs> I, I would bet if any spot. I think the Disney World seems like the, the, the right spot because they got the course, they got the facilities. They're kind of isolated away from everybody else, so I think that makes the most sense. And then you also got. ESPN and the ABC and all of that going on over there, so they can make that broadcast a lot easier from, obviously, their facilities. So I think that's the, yeah. the number one spot. Uh, but I think Vegas would make a lot of sense as well, and they could do a lot of the same things, but I, I, my bet would be it comes back at Disney World for sure. It's all fascinating stuff. We'll see uh, how this plays off. We'll appreciate uh, your time this afternoon. You do a great job covering the Pelicans, and uh, hopefully we can get you back on and, uh, and talk some more basketball soon. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on. I'd love to come back.
Absolutely. That's uh, Will Guillory from The Athletic, covers the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, talked a little about uh, whether or not uh, the city of New Orleans is embracing the Pelicans. He says absolutely that is the case, and uh, they're kind of trying to slide into that number two slot. I think we can all agree, right, that the Saints are not seeding the number one spot in the hearts of New Orleanians anytime soon, but maybe the Pelicans can kind of punch back against LSU football a little bit and kind of take that second spot uh, behind the uh, the Saints. You hope so. It's just because they have an opportunity to actually have a, a real competitive roster, not one that like fights for a playoff spot this year, but like Brandon Ingram is already an all-star and he is just now like developing his body to play an 82 game schedule. Zion's 19 years old. Uh, Jackson Hayes is 19 years old. They've got a bunch of young dudes that have an extremely high ceiling. And if you can keep them there, which, as you mentioned, uh, the big key, keeping them there, like that's a core that can win you a championship. But you've got to do something to keep them there. And if you know people aren't showing up and the city doesn't really care, they're going to go somewhere else. Fun stuff with Will Guillory. Take a quick timeout. We'll be back with you to wrap up the 4 o'clock hour on Sports Talk Mississippi. Conversation with Will Guillory from The Athletic in New Orleans. Will Salmon will join us a little bit later. He also writes for The Athletic, but he is based in Milwaukee, and we'll talk with the Major League Baseball side of things on that front, Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. We don't talk much hockey around here. I do know that there are, in, in terms of hockey fans in the state of Mississippi, I think there are, well, maybe, maybe I should say in terms of hockey period in the state of Mississippi. The overwhelming majority of people I don't think they give a crap about hockey <laughs> it's probably fair that, that that's one category category number two you have the playoff hockey is the best man crew hand race though they probably watch parts of three to five games the entire regular season hand and then you race. have the absolute die-hard hockey fans. Either they're from here and for some reason they just attach themselves to hockey somewhere along the way, or maybe they're transplants from another area where hockey was a really big deal. I know one of those. Maybe I'm oversimplifying. I'm just not sure that there's another category outside of those three. In the state Ooh, of Mississippi. Would... Oh, in this state. Okay. What, what, what were you going to say? I was about to say, in, in fans of like hockey markets or whatever, like I would say, there's a lot of in between. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm talking about where we are. I'm not talking. I mean, uh, you know, maybe it's where Nashville was seven years ago, and now it's Smashville. Although I don't feel like Nashville hockey fans, for the most part live it and breathe it 12 months out of the year. 
Like they love going to the Predators games. They got completely swept up in the whole Stanley Cup stuff a couple of years ago. Those scenes, those pictures were incredible. It was awesome. They were looking forward to the next year. But there was football. Also. Whereas in some places it is all hockey all the time. So I'm, no, I was just talking about the state of Mississippi. Like Winnipeg. Yeah. Oh yeah, you betcha. Go Jets. I wonder, wonder if the Toronto Raptors cut into the Maple Leaf share at all. They just won a world title in the NBA. Maple Leaf's kind of a big deal in Toronto. And they are they are uh, I hate to say lovable losers, but I mean they don't they they haven't won a Stanley Cup in decades. So I would say they both do. Like the Blue Jays are fairly beloved up there. True. Are they? And don't forget about the Argonauts. Oh yeah, they just love their sports and they do you remember when it for some reason it was a huge talking point that oh Canadian fans are just different. Do you remember that? Oh, they're just so different. They care. They're classy then Kevin Durant goes down with an injury and the entire arena cheers. Yeah. What 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 was the the hashtag the north something? We the, we the north. north. We the north. That's what it was. Yeah, they're just different. They're classy. Unlike those American fans, you get treated well in Canada. Yeah. That place erupted when Kevin Durant went down. Erupted. Um, oh, There was a reason that I brought all that up. <laughs> Why did I just randomly start talking about hockey? Oh, yeah. Quotes from NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman who has been the commissioner of the NHL for roughly 73 years. I believe that if the right time comes and the right circumstances, based on all of the options that we're considering and our ability to execute them, we'll get this season done. I don't want to sound Pollyanna, nice reference, but canceling is too easy a solution. That means you stop working hard to do all of the things that we're doing, and I ultimately believe that there will be an opportunity. States are reopening, cities are reopening, and if we do the right things, I think we'll be able to finish the season. Also said, obviously we hope to be playing in front of fans by next season, but if we finish in August or September, there's no magic to starting in October anymore. We can start in November. We can start in December. You're going to be a little flexible with the schedule because we want to be able to bring the game back, both to conclude this season on some basis and to have a full regular season next year. If that means we need to be more flexible, then that's what we'll do. I feel like there was a whole lot more substance to what Gary Bettman said than anything I've heard Adam Silver say in about six weeks. Yeah, I respect those quotes right there. Maybe it's just the delivery. I don't know. Sounds to me like hockey's plan is to play one way or another, and they're willing to be flexible. And they're not insistent on putting stringent timelines in place to make it happen. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. If you want to relive the LSU magical season this year, you can do so tonight on SEC Network. 
Oh, That's boy. not appointment viewing for me, but I would watch it. New documentary from uh, SEC Network ESPN called One for the Ages, 2019 LSU football. And it airs tonight at uh, 6.30 Central. My guess is this won't be the only time that they show that program on SEC Network. Does that seem like a reasonable assumption? Yeah, fair. Yeah. Uh, C Spire text line open to you, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Equip your organization for simple, successful business continuity with a work-from-anywhere toolkit from C Spire Business featuring powerful resources like UC1 and Office 365. Learn more today at cspire.com slash business. It's time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. Great financing rates on all the 2020 Ford models. You can uh, save some money. Your local Ford dealer will work with you, and they've got fantastic trucks. Just get behind the wheel and see for yourself. So... 24-7 Sports did a, uh, a story. In terms of content ideas, this one is as good as any. A little bit different uh, angle than some of the other things you see. They looked at every SEC football team and decided to predict their first loss of the season. So you got to have that composite schedule handy. Do you want to make... I'll give you theirs, and then we'll look at ours as well. Vanderbilt, week two against Missouri. Arkansas, week two against Notre Dame. Uh, Missouri, week three at South Carolina. Mississippi State, week two at NC State. Kentucky, week two at Florida. Ole Miss, week three against Auburn. South Carolina, week four at Kentucky. Texas A&M not losing until week seven at Auburn. Schedule sets up really well for them to be a oh, top ten team even going into that game with Abilene Christian, North Texas, Colorado, Arkansas all at home to start the season they go to Starkville and then host Fresno State before that game. Got Tennessee losing in Week 2 at Oklahoma. Auburn losing in Week 6, so a 5-0 and start for Gus's team. That would be at Georgia. Mm, that's one of those he's not supposed to lose, right? It's the whole losing to Georgia and Alabama thing over and over that has Auburn fans so frustrated. Florida not losing until week nine against Georgia. LSU losing in week six at Florida. Georgia losing in week three at Alabama. And Alabama, man, 24-7 is high on the Florida Gators. They have Alabama losing in the SEC championship game. To Georgia, actually. What? 
They also, think, a rematch, huh? So a rematch is what they think, and they think they're going to lose to Georgia in the SEC championship game. History did you say doesn't Ole really say or so. I, miss it? Uh, I did say Ole Misses. That was Auburn in week three. Really? That was their prediction, which means they've got them beating Baylor and Southeast Missouri State to start the year. All right, let's see if we agree. Florida. Eastern Washington in week one. Kentucky in week two. South Alabama week three. Tennessee, South Carolina. LSU. Opportunity to lose there, but I th- they could win that. It's at, it's Where at is Florida, the Tennessee so game? In Knoxville. Week Ooh. four. Sort of a prove-it game for Tennessee, but I think Florida would win. Yeah, I could get behind the idea of prove-it for Tennessee, especially considering they probably will have lost to Oklahoma two weeks earlier. Yeah. Otherwise, it'll be a good Tennessee team that goes 8-4. and four. Balls are back. Just wait till next year. Yeah. So what did they go? Seven and six last year, including a bowl mm-hmm. win. Is that right? Yeah. That's, that's correct. Right. I mean, if they got to eight and four and then won a bowl game and won nine games, I mean that that would be trending in the right direction. You're, you're definitely trending in the correct direction. Yes. But especially if your four losses were to Oklahoma, Florida, Alabama, and Georgia. Yeah. I mean. Most teams in the country would lose those four games. Um, Tennessee won eight games last year. Are they eight and five? Okay, yeah. so they went seven and okay. five, and then won their bowl game to get to eight and five. There they go. won six in a row to end the season. Certainly played better down the stretch. And seven of their last eight. Who was their bowl game against? Indiana. Indiana. Right? Yeah. 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 And they came back. They had that crazy comeback in that game. Luckily for them, it wasn't Georgia State. I mean, good <laughs> lord, if they're they're ten Lord, and three is, is if they beat Georgia State balls, and BYU. Between, between, I think Borky is secretly a Florida homer because he hates on Tennessee and Georgia more than anybody I've ever seen. Ooh. You mean nineteen eighty? Throw aside. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying. I'm refer to Georgia as nineteen eighty from now on. Don't Throw go start aside the atrocity the... the first two weeks of the season. They lost to Alabama, Georgia, and Florida. Can't really knock yeah. them for that. And fought Alabama. And if it wasn't for... Was like, they played tough against Alabama, too, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. It wasn't for a quarterback uh, going off script for some dumb reason on the way in to score and fumbling and Alabama returning it for a touchdown. That game's really interesting. Yeah. Borky, just don't talk about Florida State, man. You start talking about the Knowles, they will come after you. Oh, they'll you. come after me. I kind of am a Florida homer this year. I I just I think that team yeah, well, is going to be very good. The yeah, cocktail well, party, you mentioned it yesterday, Richard. That I mean, let's pretend for a second Georgia wins at Alabama. Possible that's number 1 versus number 3 in the country. Georgia would be 1 and Florida would be 3. Uh, my that would be my guess and either Ohio State or Clemson ahead of them maybe. But even yeah. I, it's a top five matchup at, yeah. at worst, yeah. and one of them's number one. Yeah. Mm. 
Might not be the easiest year on the secondary market if I decide to go to that game. <laughs> What's your to mortgage? Your tickets. Yeah. Refinance uh, just to get that free month, you know? Then then pay for your tickets. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I think the cost associated with refinancing might not be worth it. <laughs> uh, how deep does, does Kentucky win in Gainesville? Obviously, Borky says no. I mean, it could be a good game, and if things go there, if they can get a couple of breaks, they'd have an opportunity to win. They're certainly talented enough to do it. Possibly right, the so talented Miss team he's had there. Don't I don't know. I don't know. That team two years ago with Benny Snell and Josh Allen on defense, really, really I read good. a comparison, though, in terms of like recruiting rankings on them, and this one would favor the 2020 team. It might, but I'm just... Just from an eye test, you know, I hate to play the analytics versus the eye test guy, but that team was really good. They won 10 oh, games. I, the, to me, the difference is this is going to be ten, uh, Kentucky's deepest team under Mark Stokes. I can, I can maybe get behind that. Like in terms of depth of talent. Now, you had an NFL star on both sides of the ball, and so maybe it was a little top-heavy, but those guys at the top performed big, big, big time that year. All right. So, Ole Miss. So, a win over Baylor, a win over Southeast Missouri State to get off to a 2-0 start. And then Auburn rolls into Oxford in week three. They've got Auburn losing that game. I'm sorry, have Ole Miss losing in week three to Auburn. Which certainly they'll be an underdog on paper. If Ole Miss plays well and wins those first two, do you begin to kind of raise your eyebrows a little bit and look at them maybe a little bit differently going into that Auburn game? And Auburn has a sneaky tough one the week before, too. I do think the talent gap is pretty sig- significant between the two. One of you guys picked North Carolina to beat Auburn. Was not I. You? Is that you, Rippy? The, uh, you know who it was. Led? No, I did not. You know who it was. Oh, yeah, Sam Howell's Long go. godfather over here. Loves him some Gus Malzahn, does hate that. And then they've got Mississippi State losing in week two to NC State. I will say this, if they don't lose in week two, probably going to be 4-0 to start the year. Going into what would then be a really big game with Texas A&M. Sports Talk Mississippi, that's your college football fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Will Salmon is next. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Don't forget you can watch at uh, supertalktv.com. It's also streaming on the Supertalk Mississippi Facebook page and Periscope and all over the place. Thanks for being with us, Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey. Uh, have you guys seen the outrage surrounding the actual uniforms for the L.A. Rams? There was outrage. I saw them. I saw the uniforms. People were, oh yeah, people are. Oh, they ruined one of the great uniforms in all of the NFL. I didn't, I didn't see that. Eh. People hate new. Yeah, it's <laughs> newsflash. The um, the all whites are actually kind of a gray, which is eh, whatever. Fine with that. I thought the blue jerseys with the uh, yellow pants were not terrible. I'm not so sure about the whole faded gradient numbers where they go from yellow into kind of an off-white, but I don't know. People just looking for something to be upset about. 
Will Salmon joins us right now on the Farm Bureau phone line. Favorites.com is the website where you can get a quote and figure out how much you can save. That's why I would tell you to go with the home team, Farm Bureau Mississippi. Will Salmon, uh, you know him. He has spent some time in Mississippi covering Mississippi State, went from there to Gainesville to cover the Florida Gators, and now calls Milwaukee, Wisconsin home. He is on a Major League Baseball beat with the Athletic covering the Milwaukee Brewers. Hey, are you having fun covering a baseball team, Will? <laughs> I was Sorry. in March, or like the first couple of weeks in March in February. That was that was kind of fun for a little while. Somebody grabbed the rug though and just yanked it right out from under you. Um, how real do you think what Major League Baseball is talking about is right now? It's pretty. It's pretty real. Real um, in terms of it getting done and perhaps playing baseball just because of how much incentive both sides have. You know, I kind of just expect just from reading and talking with people, I just kind of expect there to be more of what we've seen over the past couple of days, including yesterday where it's a little bit of a back and forth. We get some small news here and there about them talking uh, really before anything is kind of settled just because there's a whole lot to it that obviously is at the forefront. It's safety and, and then economics, money. But then after that, there's a lot of smaller, sort of naughtier issues that come into play. And so there's, there's a lot to still be figured out on both ends. But I, I think to kind of answer your question, I think it's a matter if the question is whether or not it actually happens and, and we see baseball. I don't know. It, it's, it's something that I probably wouldn't feel all that comfortable betting on. But if I had to, I would probably say, yeah, uh, just because it does seem like things are trending okay we're in a better situation than we were just a couple of weeks ago or particularly last month um if you were to have told me say in the first week of april or the second week of april hey in a month a month from now we'll be having these discussions i would have felt a lot more a lot pretty optimistic mm-hmm. um, if, that were, if that was the case and so to kind of fast forward now um yeah I, you know you kind of feel better than than you had over the last few weeks well, I thought Tony Clark, the uh, executive director of the MLBPA, uh, in, in some of the comments that he made yesterday, where you know, he, he said, and I'm paraphrasing here, but the gist of the quote was, any sort of revenue-sharing model is a complete non-starter for the players. The owners were not interested in having a, a, an equitable rise in salaries as revenue was rising, but now that it looks like revenue is going to fall, they want to split this baby down the middle. Are you hearing things that go along with that? Because to me, that's that's a pretty strong statement or kind of an opening salvo from the Players Association with regard to what the economics of this thing are going to have to look like. Sure. Yeah, that kind of echoes what you hear from agents and and players. I think even Scott Boris uh, said in a couple of national stories recently that, you know, hey, if I'm the owner of a company, I'm not going to ask my employees who are experienced in the situation due to the virus to sort of bear the cost of that. You pay them the salaries. That's, that's kind of like his point. And to that point, they had already agreed uh, last month, I believe, to that prorated deal. 
uh, prorated for the amount of games. And so you kind of understand mm-hmm. that from their perspective, why would they want to re-engage on a conversation um, when the result was something that they already felt like they were kind of <laughs> helping and helping out with and, and um, that it was already settled. So you kind of see that part of it. On the other hand, um, you know, the owners have the idea that, hey, like what happens if there's a stoppage again, like say a month from now for whatever reason? Um, and what happens if they don't get money from the playoffs or whatever the case is? And of course they're losing uh, they're not getting get the same amount of money without fans in, in attendance. We don't know how much because those books aren't available, but that's what they're saying. So there's a lot to it. Um, and it, it gets to be a little bit ugly just because, although these are conversations that I'm sure other unions have in smaller scales, but because we're talking about billionaires and millionaires, it gets pretty ugly in the context of um, a global pandemic. Yeah. Do you think one side or the other holds the ultimate trump card? I guess from the from the sense of the players say, "Fine, you don't want to agree to it. We're we're not going to agree to it. We'll just we'll just let this thing die on the vine and won't have a season." And the owners go, "Okay, we'll lose less money that way anyway." And once this hundred seventy million runs out, which it's about to do, that we agreed to, you guys aren't getting paid the rest of the year. So does one side or the other kind of have the upper hand? In terms of negotiations, yeah, that's a great question. You know, I would I would kind of nice. say like eventually the players are going to want to be paid more, right? <laughs> they're going to want to they're going to want to play because they want to get paid. Um, so I, I would say that um, I would go along with that line of thinking. But it's not as if like these sort of disagreements are unprecedented. Of course, mm-hmm. previous strikes in the game, so. We're talking, uh, a lot of people don't realize just how strong the baseball union is sometimes. You know, people just, uh, if you're you're into that kind of stuff. It's probably the strongest um, in all sports, isn't it? I would go even beyond that. Um, I would go beyond sports. It's it's, it's so strong. I mean, it's, uh, what union is stronger in the country? I don't know. I mean, like, it's. So it, it's hard for me to say that they don't have the they don't have the upper hand just because of that um, and their history and, and just uh, the support that they have. But yeah, man, it's one of those things where you just hope that there 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 is an agreement. But uh, you have that understanding that these issues are are pretty. I don't want to say complex, but uh, like I said at the beginning of our conversation, they delve into a lot of other sort of naughty or smaller, not smaller, but just more. Um, I don't know issues that kind of go beyond those big two topics that, that, that fall under the umbrella, the umbrellas of each of those. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious if, and and this may be way too inside baseball for for us to have a long discussion about this, but is is service time one of the going to be one of the important debate points here? Because the players, if they play an 80 game or 82 game regular season. They're going to say, look, this is the year we had. We should get a full year of service time. My guess is the owners are going to want to push back on that in terms of uh, you know, putting free agency off for a year for some guys. Is that going to be one of the important arguing, argument, arguments here? Yeah, you would, have, yeah, you would imagine so. Um, some of that stuff may have been sort of um, hammered out a little bit. Um, but that's kind of like what I was getting at, where the, you, have those, you have issues like that. Um, and even like say like... What about trades or 
Um, what happens if a player does get traded and, and how he travels? What about roster sizes? Um, all those things uh, still need to sort of be hammered out. And then there's the safety aspect of it of, okay, well, what happens if one player tests positive? Uh, what happens to that team? What happens to that player? We don't know. Um, and that's an issue, of course, that players are looking at, and they're also saying, okay, we also have coaches on our staff that are over 60, over 70, that are probably more susceptible. So there's that issue at hand as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a bit of a mess, put it that way. Will we... Um... My, 30 seconds here, Max. Michael Borky tried to adopt the Milwaukee Brewers as his team last year, and then he failed miserably after like two weeks. He just couldn't invest himself. Give give us one reason in 15 seconds that Michael Borky should follow Milwaukee when this season finally begins. Well, it will be a shorter season, so that helps. Plus, you have Brandon Woodruff and um, Ethan Small in the minor leagues. There you go. A little bit of a local connection. Shorter season. That's as good a reasons as any. Will, always uh, appreciate the time. Hope you're staying safe and well, and uh, hopefully we've got baseball. Real baseball before too terribly much longer. Thanks, friend. Miss you, Will. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it, guys. That was Brian Haydad saying he missed you as well. Will Salmon on the Farm Bureau phone line. We'll be right back. Here we go. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but the St. Louis Cardinals have the best fans in all of baseball. You don't believe it, just ask them. They'll tell you. C Spire text line 601-879-4395. Borky, if you want to adopt a team, I will welcome you aboard the Cardinal Express to be part of the greatest franchise in the history of baseball. I stopped reading there and started typing a response to the message that said the New York Yankees would like a word, but then I returned to his message and saw, we have 10 world championships that aren't bought, paid for, and cheated for like the Yankees. We lead all of MLB in true, honest championships. What the heck does that even mean? Come aboard, Borky. If you're not a bird, you're bird seed. Judging from this... uh Texter's previous text, I am in no way surprised that he's a Cardinals fan. Mm hmm. Bought, paid for, and cheated for. Usual when those guys just played for free for love of the game. A little SEC football flavor brought to the MLB. Yeah. Mm hmm. <laughs> Problem is, you you're like going to have to go back to the 1870s <laughs> to start claiming fake titles there. Uh, we had a Debbie Downer on Twitter. I, I made the joke. Um, we were talking about retroactively awarding that player a, a perfect game. And I think it was Richard texted in and said uh, he should give himself a perfect game just like Alabama gave themselves national titles. And we uh, had a reply that said, just like Ole Miss? Question mark. Zing. Alabama claims a national championship that happened during wartime in a year in which they lost four games. The 41 national title is the one, obviously, I would point to and go. It's absurd. (laughs) They claim it shamelessly. 
Did you? I, there was a guy on Twitter. I don't know if you saw this. It would make your day. I'll find it for you, Borky. He found he had a letter written from Bear Bryant to some a football camper, somebody who was coming to football camp. And it had on the letterhead all of the the national championships they claimed up to that point. And this letter was sitting like 81 or something. 41 and like two or three others were not on there. Hmm. I, I'll find it for you and send it to you. <laughs> uh, can you believe that at a, a long time, many points, we decided that the best way to crown a champion in college football was to let a bunch of sports writers do it? Well, you had a computer doing it until like 2014. Yeah, but and that was back during U-P-I, a time. UPI, UPI, <laughs> UPI, and that was back during a time when you couldn't watch the games. Like you had to read about them in the paper the next day if you got a paper that had the games that you wanted to learn about. So you had a guy that covered whatever college football team determining a national champion that they likely never saw one single time, even like from afar. Yeah. So I found it. I just sent it to you, Borky. This letterhead does not claim titles in 25, 26, 30, 34, or 41. Hmm. little jump cut here. Is there any greater evidence that time, and only time, heals all wounds other than this? What a cool story. This is a great day for the Hale State family to welcome Ron Polk back home, according to uh, Director of Athletics John Cohen said. His experience, institutional knowledge, passion for Mississippi State, and the high level of respect he holds around college athletics will be a tremendous resource to our coaches, student-athletes, and entire athletics program. Ron Polk has been hired by Mississippi State as Special Assistant to the Athletic Director and, of course, is John Cohen. Polk said, after 54 years of coaching college baseball, including the last 12 as a volunteer assistant at UAB, this is a perfect time for me to give back to Mississippi State. I'm very appreciative to this great university and John Cohen for allowing me to do this. You can read the entire story if you would like to uh, at Mississippi State's website, uh, website com. 1,373 wins, 700 losses, two ties, two-time National Coach of the Year, four-time SEC Coach of the Year, 29 years from 1976 until 1997, and then 2002 until 2008, Ron Polk led the Mississippi State baseball program. What's he going to be doing, hey, Dad? I believe it's something to do with coach relations, and I don't know what that means. I don't have a whole lot of insight in that. Hopefully I can... I can talk to John Cohen or somebody in the coming days and find out a little bit more. But my, my guess he will is... Be pro- this- he will be... I, I'm sorry to interrupt. He will be providing a, hafe, a safe haven mm-hmm. for cigar smoke anytime a coach is ejected from a game. Absolutely. That, 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 that's, that's, that's probably one of his many duties. <laughs> so, yeah, not, not a th- day I, I didn't think I ever thought was going to happen uh, as recently as maybe a couple years ago. I think, you know, he came back last year for the uh, when they when they fully opened the stadium and they had the uh, the ring of honor ceremony he was there for that um which might have been his first time back in the stadium since he uh told them to take his name off of it um i was, you know, I I was gonna say i was i, I was gonna bring that up there was a point where i mean oh it was bad he told, told greg burn stadium 
told Greg Byrne said, that he was he would off. publicly told said publicly he was going to try to to undermine Greg Byrne in any way he could and uh, and you know, take my name off the stadium was not happy about the the process that ended with John Cohen being hired as the baseball coach. But I know John Cohen loves Ron Polk, loves him. I mean, if John Cohen probably basically sees him as a father figure. And had done so much to try to repair that relationship, and looks like the the the, uh, the seeds of that labor have finally uh, come to fruition. Is this something that Mississippi State fans, kind of across the board, will applaud? I think so. I mean, how can you hold a grudge at this point? You know, it, I, nobody remembers the bad times of of Polk. Everybody remembers the great wins and the history and everything like that. I mean, his name is on the stadium. So, yeah, I think by and large this will be welcomed uh, by Mississippi State fans. So the first thing you think of when you think of Ron Polk? <sighs> I mean, Aside from baseball. using his typewriter to write letters to the NCAA. Winning baseball. Yeah. I mean, that's just that's what I think no, of. No, more specific than that. Like, like, like a one... specific thing. <sighs> but for, for example, when I think Ron Polk, I think him... Hitting infield with sweet Georgia Brown play. Yeah, I mean you're not wrong. That that cheesy MSU baseball song they used to play. God, that thing was awful. Uh, I mean, I think about I him. You know, that. just I do. Uh, just sitting, you know, on the third base coaching box, and you know, playing station to station baseball. I think of the baseball playbook. Uh, I think about him. You know, chewing umpires up and down the uh, the field. Um, you know, I think about big crowds and a packed left field lounge. I mean, it's a lot of good memories. Him hiking down to the covered facility down the left field line in Hattiesburg. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't that a that was a Mississippi State Southern Miss game and he got run yeah. and he kind of went down and sat in the hitting. Yeah. What what at the time was the hitting area. Yeah. It's great. So I mean, the guy's a legend. So you know, it's it was unfortunate the way that it went. And back in 2009, you know that should never have happened. Um, you know, emotions got the better of everybody there. So it's 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 a good thing to have him back in maroon and white. I think I think that's what that's the way it should be. You know, you don't you, imagine it, you know for Ole Miss purposes, if some reason Archie Manning were you know dis, distance himself from Ole Miss. I mean, you don't want that. Nobody wants that. You want your legends to be a part of your university, and so that that makes it a good day for Mississippi State. There's no question he is a giant in uh, in college baseball. And Skip Bertman gets so much credit for the rise of college baseball in the SEC. But if you look a little bit closer, uh, really, before Skip Bertman, it was, uh, it was Ron Polk. And there were some great games through the years between those two teams, um, a rivalry that still excites people in college baseball circles. And, you know, one of the architects of – college baseball as we know it in the Southeastern Conference. I think this is really, really cool for Mississippi State. And, you know, he's he's just a great guy. Yeah. Now, sometimes it takes a long time to get past perceived or actual slights. Mm-hmm. But as I said to begin this conversation, is there any more evidence that time and only time uh, can heal Almost all wounds. Uh, it feels like that has uh, has happened in Starkville. That's uh, that's really cool that uh, Ron Polk will now be back uh, with Mississippi State working in the uh, athletics department. He said he's giving back. Does that mean he's not getting paid? 
That's a good question. <laughs> I mean, I imagine he's getting sure, paid. Surely you got to pay him. So looking at this, this this press release, it doesn't say anything about a volunteer position. No. He's been a volunteer coach at UAB for the last decade and yeah. change, last 12 years. Get back in that Mississippi retirement system. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? Neat story. Very cool. Uh, somebody said him filling out the game card after winning the Super Regionals in 2006 acted like it was nothing. That's what stands out for uh, one texter about... Ron Polk. We'll wrap up.
Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.